Welcome to the first official episode of the Net Worth Podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. I'm here with my boy Skylar. How are we doing, Matt? And I'm doing good. Lakers off to a good start. We're going to get into that series. Very interesting series, but the playoffs have been great. Second round's off to a great start, and can't wait to break it down with you, man. Yeah, so let's get right into it. We, we're going to start with the Lakers-Warriors here. What are your first initial thoughts on it? Because as a Laker fan, I know you got a lot to say, man. I mean, I, I mean, I feel like the first thing you have to say when looking at this series is Anthony Davis. Because the Warriors, they just have no matchup for him. Kevon Looney, little undersized, way too slow. Draymond Green's just not tall enough. But, man, he did what he's supposed to do. 30, 23, four, five assists, four blocks. He's the first big man to do that since Tim Duncan in 03. And I think we all know that's probably peak Tim Duncan, the Tim Duncan that took down Shaq and Kobe under three feet. And if you're playing, if, if you're the only guy since Tim Duncan to match up with his stats, you're doing something right. And if he can do this four times in a series, they're going to take care of business and win the series. But I think someone that's not getting enough love from this series, or game one at least, is Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, people are questioning if he can get over all the screens the Warriors offense has, all the off-ball screens and all the, the pick and rolls and getting through all the screens and staying up on Curry. And, man, he did a great job. He navigated those screens. He didn't. He got caught going under a couple of screens, but for the most part, he locked onto the hip, trailed, got in front, made everything difficult. And when he was behind him, he even got a block on a floater when he was behind Curry. So he, he put pressure on him when he got stuck behind him, but did a really good job navigating and getting over screens. That's going to be a big deal in this series because the Kings, I know Davion Mitchell's a good defender, but Curry kind of got what he wanted in that series. And so far, the Lakers did not let Curry do what he wanted to do, and that's the key to winning this series. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think... The Warriors did, I, I think they pretty much did a terrible job on making an adjustment on Anthony Davis. I know it's game one, but when you realize that it's that big of a like, difference between Kevon Looney and Anthony Davis, and you just see that matchup, like you have to go and double that if you're the Warriors because you can live with the Lakers shooting threes. They only made six threes. You know that they want to get to the bucket, and you know that you have no rim presence. So why not just pack the paint and make them shoot? And uh, and then if they beat you, God bless them. God bless. The only problem I have with that is who can they pack the paint with? They don't have no big bodies. You put Clay and Curry and Jordan Poole in there, he's just going to shoot over the top. It's, that's the problem. They don't have enough big – the Grizzlies are able to pack the paint because they have big guys. Dylan Brooks, uh, excuse me, Tillman. They have Jaron Jackson. They got big bodies with long arms that can pack the paint. The Warriors don't have the personnel to even pack the paint. That's the problem they have. Yeah, no, I think it's just like you have to be, you have to exaggerate it so much to the point where it's almost like kind of disrespectful. Like, obviously, you can't leave guys like Reeves open, but the way Braun's shooting the ball, you got to live with him making that three because you can't already stop Anthony Davis. And if you got Braun attacking the paint, you're just screwed. See, I do think they did it to an extent. They had Draymond Green guarding Jared Vanderbilt, and they had Draymond Green just sitting in the paint doubling AD. And it really didn't seem to work because he's just not tall enough. If you double him, he could just turn the way of Draymond Green and shoot over the top. He has five or six inches on him. His arms are longer. He could just shoot over him. Looney's not getting off the ground. AD could out jump him. He could just shoot over the top of anyone on this team. And if he has the right mindset and if he comes to the game saying, I'm going to shoot the ball, I'm going to be aggressive, there is nothing the Warriors can do. They could triple team him. It doesn't matter. They do not have the personnel. No, absolutely, absolutely. I think if you're going to go and double Davis, so it can't be that soft, like, you know, like, we're going to double kind of like you see sometimes in the league. It's like it's got to be a hard trap, and then you got to rotate. And that's, I think, the only chance they have of getting 
so anybody else in the Lakers to really beat them. So that'll be interesting to watch kind of the adjustments. They did throw in a little 2-3 or maybe it was a 3-2 zone. That was interesting just because the Lakers obviously don't shoot the ball as good as the Warriors for a number of reasons. But it'll be interesting to watch what their adjustments going to be for game two. I think I think you're going to expect a lot more zone in game two because that's when they went on their run. They were pre- it was fairly effective. But I think you just got to be careful. You don't want to zone too much against the LeBron James team. I know he's not shooting the ball well, but he'll dissect the zone. You don't want to give him too much of a zone. He'll pick it apart. Absolutely. I also think if you're going to run that 2-3 zone, you already don't have enough big bodies as it is. You better be able – everyone better crash the boards or else Davis and Broad and Vanderbilt and all those and guys. Really, really, yeah. They're just going to have a heyday down there. So it'll be interesting. But I thought another key thing – or not key thing. It was – just looking at the box score here, Looney did have 23 rebounds. Now, I know nobody talks about that because obviously Davis had the bigger impact, but that'll be interesting just to watch that matchup as it goes, just like when a shot goes up because we know how great of an offensive rebounder or just rebounder in general Looney is. So it'll be very interesting to watch just kind of that matchup down low. But I thought another thing that was very interesting was that the Warriors shot 41.1% from three and they still lost this game. And they had Poole, Thompson, and Curry. They all, each one of them hit six threes. And if you would have said that before the start of game one, I definitely would think that the Warriors would win that game, which is another scary thing if you're a Warrior fan that you need, like, I don't I don't know what the answer is. Because if you're making, if Poole is on and Curry's on, Dan Thompson is on, and you're not winning this game, what else can you ask for? What yeah. else can you ask for? You're not saying they're not going to win a game or two or three. Like, oh, of course. Go to, you know what I mean? But I, after game one, unless I see some crazy adjustment or something catastrophic happen, I don't know. I, I'm thinking I'm going to take the Lakers here in six or seven. Yeah, I, I saw someone make a very – I forget who it was, but they made a really interesting point about the Warriors where they were saying the Warriors are the analytical side, threes and layups at a new age of basketball, and the Lakers are a little bit old-school bruiser, inside-out mentality. But he made a great point. He said, the Warriors have the three part. When Anthony Davis is there, they have threes and no layups. They don't get the layups part. So it's just threes. It's really hard to just shoot your way to a win. And like you said, the Warriors shot 41% from three on a high volume too. 53 three attempts is ridiculous. That's crazy. And they made 21 of them. That's a really high clip. But if you're only hitting threes, you're not getting to the foul line and you're not getting any really paint scoring. I mean, they were scared to shoot the ball when Anthony Davis was in the game. I saw Andrew Wiggins have a wide open dunk, call fate, spun away and missed a shot. Anthony Davis just completely took the paint away from them. They're going to need to find a way to score in the paint and hit those shots to really put any pressure on the Lakers. Yeah, and Anthony Davis' impact on the defensive end. Now, obviously, he has to be he has to do a thing on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defensive side of the ball, going back to the Memphis series, when Memphis just when AD was a primary ball defender, Memphis shot forty one percent. When he was the defender. And that's so, close to the rim, too. They're not jumpers. Those are layups. Exactly. And that's with, like, John Moran. Like, they attacked the Jaron Jackson's an athletic finisher. Like, they attacked the rim aggressively. So that says something. And the Warriors, for a team that they don't attack the rim like the Memphis Grizzlies do. So for Curry and some of those guys to get layups, that's going to be real tough. So Because in, in Game 7, I think we all watched Game 7, Kings-Warriors. Curry had a couple of those scoop layups over Sabonis. He tried that on AD. AD didn't even. 
couldn't even get it out of his hand. It just oh. can't do that. And then there was that one play where he tried to do that floater and Vanderbilt swatted him from behind. Yeah. So late from the Lakers, that's really starting to play a part here. The Lakers, they got they got D'Angelo Russell, six four, big guard, Grease, six five, six six. Then you got six nine in Vanderbilt, six nine in LeBron, and seven foot with long arms in AD. That team's long, they're massive, but they could play. That's a small ball lineup for them. They have the foot speed to match a small ball lineup because AD can get out. I'm not saying you put him on Steph, but if you switch him onto Steph, that's not the end of the world. He can he can hold his own. He go because he can just overplay and he beat him off the dribble. He'll block it. So they can match a small ball lineup while having three guys over six nine, which is ridiculous. I don't think any other team in the league has that personnel. And that's a credit to Rob Palenka because he got size without losing speed or being able to match up with a small ball lineup. And I think that's why the Lakers can really defend anyone in the league because they have that person. Yeah, and go, kind of going off that point, when Draymond and Kamal Looney were on the floor, those are two guys that we all know they're not shooters whatsoever. They had LeBron and Anthony Davis on those guys, and they literally just packed the paint. So it goes back to they're literally just shooting threes, and if those don't go in, they're literally screwed is what it seems like in this series so far. And going off of that, the, the one adjustment I think the Lakers need to make is, yes, I understand why they're sagging off of Looney and Green so much, but the problem with that is if Looney's at the top of the key and AD's halfway into paint, all he has to do is really hand the ball off to Curry, and then if you get any contact on Curry's guy, he'll have a wide-open shot because they're in such extreme drop coverage. So I think they're going to need to stunt a little bit more just because in the first half they were killing him with it, in the second half, Anthony Davis started to step up a little bit and kind of, they kind of got in that, in the third quarter, in the early fourth quarter, they kind of went on a defensive run where they just strung together a lot of stops. And I think if they start the game with that mentality and not really giving up those open handoff threes, I think they could start the game really well and maybe even take game two as well. Yeah. And when AD's in that drop coverage, if he has to overcommit a little bit, he's athletic enough to be able to recover and block that shot or contest it. And the Lakers will have LeBron, Vanderbilt, or Rui as a secondary rim protector, which against the Grizzlies may not be effective, but against the Warriors, LeBron is probably as tall as Kevon Looney, so, or Vanderbilt, or Rui. So our secondary shot blocker is still more athletic and bigger than the primary finisher on, on the Warriors. So even if AD's out of the paint, I still think we can get a rebound or block a shot. So it's not the end of the world if AD has to overcommit to Steph Curry and not give up a three. Oh, absolutely. They also need more contributions from like guys like Dante DiVincenzo, Wiggins only had 15. If you can get more from Wiggins and Dante, and then maybe, you know, Poole's not probably going to put up 21 again, but if you would get a little more production from some of those guys, it's going to make it a little harder on the Lakers to defend them. But if it's just like Curry, uh, what? But that's been Thompson. Like, it's going to, you know what I mean? Like, it, they got to make it a little harder on the Lakers because that's what makes the Lakers so tough is you don't really know who's going to score the ball which is weird saying on LeBron's team because he usually has the ball, but he's been playing off so much, playing off ball so much, that you don't really know. It could be Austin Reeves, Rui, Davis. Next thing you know, it's a kick out. Like, exactly. Even Schroeder off the bench was handling the ball and really doing a good job. Schroeder had a great game, so it'll be interesting. That's been the problem with the Warriors all year is they haven't really gotten any bench contributions. I mean, in Game 7, Curry had 50. There's a reason he had 50. He had to have 50. They don't have enough scoring, and... Clay Thompson had a great game. I don't see him shooting as well again because, I don't know, he was in a lot of shots. He played great. I don't think he's going to do this four times in a series again. So, we'll see. Well, let's move on to the Suns-Nuggets series. A lot of storylines here as well with the Suns especially. It looks like their lack of depth is definitely catching up to them. Absolutely. Especially with the Chris Paul injury now, I think that depth is – and that might, it might be over for them. I, 
Game three will be fascinating because they're playing for their lives. As everyone knows, we fall down 0-3, it's over. That's how basketball is. But, man, looking at the quarter breakdown, I think it's really interesting. The Suns are right in it, winning the game for most of the most of the game. But in the fourth quarter, they're outscored 27-14. to 14. And that's on a team with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. You'd think they'd be able to score in the fourth quarter and take them home against the Nuggets, who aren't known for their defense. And that's worrisome to me. Kevin Durant looked as bad as I've seen Kevin Durant look in a long time. And Booker, he, he was good in the first half, and he played a pretty solid game. But without Chris Ball out there, with Booker having to be the primary ball handler, I think that's going to cut back on the scoring and make things difficult. Because taking a ball up the court, having extra ball pressure, and having to have the responsibility of facilitating and get people involved, I think will undercut his ability to score the ball and focus on scoring alone. So they're going to need to figure that out, and they're going to need to hope Chris Ball can get back very soon and they could win a game without him because, man, they're gonna, they just have no bench. I mean, Cameron Payne, come on, man, one for seven. I remember a couple years ago, he's hitting some shots. He can't hit a shot. I mean, he's going to start the game, game three. Cameron Payne's probably most likely starting game three. Can they get 15 points out of him and five assists? Because that's what they're going to need to win the game. So, yeah, no, it's interesting. Some of the bench guys like Terrence Ross, like he's a solid role player. Landry Shamit, great shoot, great three-point shooter. Now, I know on defense, he's a little bit of a liability, but you need some offense. Like, Damian Lee played 25 minutes and had zero points. Yeah, their bench combined for four points. Now, Denver's bench in game two combined for 13 points, which obviously is not very good, but it's good enough when you're playing the Suns. Yeah, because the Suns are the definition of literally – Five guys, and that's all. Like that's all. That's all they play. They don't four guys. Four guys. They don't even have a fit. They don't even. Okogie's not a. Okogie is not a starting caliber player on a contending team. He's not. The Suns have four guys, and now three because Chris Paul went down, which I would say you know is unforeseen. But I like Chris Paul. I respect his game. But come on, have we all seen him pull a hamstring or groin in a playoff run? I don't remember a playoff run where he hasn't pulled a hamstring or soft tissue injury. It's. It's just a story of Chris Paul, and that's why I wouldn't pay the man $40 million a year if I'm trying to win a championship. He's going to pull something in a in a series after the first round, and he's just going to let you down. It's not his fault, but that's just what history has shown. And as you age, you're not going to stop pulling your hamstring as you get older. It's just going to get worse. So I think it'll be an interesting offseason for them, but I don't see them getting out of this series. Yeah, Do you, how many games do you see him winning? One. I got Nuggets in five. Nuggets in five. No, I, I could definitely, I could definitely see that. I just think it's kind of funny because, you know, if Braun's on this team now, obviously Braun's got to be a little younger. I th- Braun probably wins a title with this team. Oh, absolutely. But Kevin Durant's also not in his prime. I'm not going to not gonna say this is prime Kevin Durant. But it's just like it goes back to when you're talking about the two. Durant, amazing scorer. But when it's time to lead a team that isn't overpowered, it doesn't seem like he can do it. Now, don't get me wrong. He has, like, his bench is little to none. But he picked this team. Yeah, he picked this team. He doesn't get that excuse. He picked this team. And, I mean, this has been not just this playoff. This was last year. He got swept in the first round last year and didn't play that good. I mean, he's 10 to 27. This guy shot 55%. For, he was a 55-40-90 player. He created a new category based off efficiency. But this is two years in a row when the playoff comes around. His efficiency is dipped. He was 10 to 27 from the field. I'm, other than last year, I don't remember Kevin Durant ever being that inefficient. I don't know if it's his age. I don't know if it's Achilles injury. I don't know. But he's just not playing up to the Kevin Durant standard he created, and they need him to. They need him to play beyond what Kevin Durant normally does. Now, he's got to get in that mindset and be like, I am Kevin 
Durant. Yes. I cannot shoot two of 12 from three. Like, I love that he's shooting 27 shots, but, man, you cannot shoot two of 12 from three. You know your squad needs you, but you also got to create a little – you got to create some shots for these guys. These guys, these these bench players, they don't create shots for themselves. That's what you have to do. Now, I know that's not his role. I get it a little bit, but you, I think you got to pick it up a little bit, man. I think what the problem really is here is – with the, the team really only having two true scorers, you could just double both of them and live with a Kogi or a campaign or even Chris Paul shooting a wide open shot. And they're just not hitting though. So I think that just means you could Kevin Rance having to shoot over double teams because if you double them, you're not really going to get burnt because no one's going to hit a shot. So they're going to need to find a couple more shooters because at, as it is, you could literally double Devin Booker and Kevin Durant at the same time almost and get away with it because this team is just so thin. How much is to blame on Monty Williams and the coaching staff? I I I really believe in the first round, Tyloo completely outcoached him. I I think Tyloo his he, he switched up his schemes. He he was changing throughout the game, and Monty Williams didn't really seem to react. He would react more game to game, not in a game. I think Tyloo was quicker to change his coverages, throw a zone in here, switch back to man. Out of a timeout, throw to a zone, a deflection, then we're back into man, and just switch it up on him. And the Suns haven't really seemed to react to that. They just kind of kept doing their thing, and just a lot of one-on-one basketball, which I understand that's who their players are. Booker and Kevin Durant are one-on-one players, but, man, they're getting doubled. Maybe let's get a little more pin-down action, or let's just get them some screens before they get the ball to get a switch or manipulate. With Kevin Durant, you can manipulate switches really effectively because he's seven feet tall. So maybe get him some off-ball screens before he catches the ball just to make things a little bit easier on him instead of just letting him go one-on-one and letting him get double-teamed. I think Monty Williams needs to freshen up this offense and create some more off-ball movement. It seems really stagnant when I watch them play. Yeah, and the other scary thing, if you're a Phoenix Sun fan, is when Chris Paul left the game, they seemed out of sorts. Like, they didn't get into their offense while the shot clock was running, and it, it was just a mess out there, it looked like. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how this series finishes out. But like you said, five or six max. Game three will be fascinating fascinating because i mean they're playing for their season here let's see they come out swinging they're at home they got to win game three and four so game three is a massive game i cannot wait to watch game three in this series it's gonna be great it'll be a great game now let's move on to the Knicks heat series i think there's a lot of interesting aspects of this what are your thoughts on this man man this is a fun one for you and me because i know we're not a heat or a knicks fan but you're rooting for the knicks pretty hard i'm rooting for the heat pretty hard you know it's both kind of our secondary team per se i would say Oh yeah, second, third team. Whatever. Yeah, I, I like. The, I, say I like the third team just because I'm. I like New York sports, so yeah. I don't mind them doing well. I grew up liking Miami. I like their culture, and I like Jimmy Butler. I just, I, I, I always find myself rooting for him. And man, game two, I really believe if Jimmy played, the Heat win this game by ten points. I, I, I think it's pretty hard to say anything else. That's the scary thing. I just, not root. I don't want to say a Knicks fan. Yeah. Rooting for the Knicks. The Knicks. And that was that was scary. And the Heat, they're catching a break. They don't play again until Saturday. So Jimmy Butler's going to get about a week off. I think he's going to come back. He may not be 100%, but they don't need 100% Jimmy. They almost won game two without him. I mean, yeah, wait, hold up. How many days off did they get? They got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Well, let's see. So he played game one, which was Sunday. Then he, he, got, he, he didn't play Tuesday. So that's two days off, and then they get three days off after that because their series started so early. So Jimmy, that was smart to sit him out that game. They took home court advantage. Let's get Jimmy right, and then we're gonna be ready for Game Three. So, man, they almost took Game Two. That would have been that would have I would have been the end of the series right there if they won Game Two. But I just don't think the Knicks, outside of Brunson, have enough offense. I mean, 
Barrett's been playing great, but I just don't think they have enough. Because Miami, the way they've been shooting the ball and the way their offense functions, I think it just speaks on how good of a coach Eric Spolstra is. Because their system, they lost their best player. They lost their primary playmaker, the guy they play through, the guy they feed off of. And it looks like nothing changed out there. They had the same confidence. They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly how to react to everything the Knicks threw at them. And I think that just shows Eric Spolstra is probably the best coach in the league. And I think it's pretty hard to argue anything else. Now, credit to Pat Riley and the culture there as well, like making sure those guys off the bench stay ready. Like Duncan Robinson, when the playoffs started, like I don't think anyone thought he was really going to play. You know what I mean? And then he has that great series against Milwaukee, which, man, I just hated that. But entirely here it went down. But, I mean, Duncan Robinson, he's shooting 53% from three in this playoffs. That's unbelievable. He stayed ready. Like they say, don't don't have to you don't need to sorry don't get ready stay ready as they say and he stayed ready and that's a testament to their culture and also Gabe Vincent I mean I, I I've heard of the guy I didn't know much about him until this playoff run and seeing him in the Bucks series he was fantastic he was fantastic in Gabe two and in Gabe one and I think a lot of people see like how can they perform without Jimmy Butler when the when the defense is throwing their coverages at Gabe Vincent at Kyle Lowry at these guys specifically and not as a secondary piece and they were still hitting shots they're still performing. I know his numbers aren't looking great, but towards the end of the game, he threw up a couple difficult shots. So I'm not really going to look too far into the numbers. I think he played a good game. I think Lowry's been great. I think everyone has just really filled their role. And it's kind of given me some Patriot vibes towards the end when they didn't necessarily have the most talent, but their culture was just so abundant that it just, unless they're playing a team with a significant amount more talent than them, they're just going to win. And I don't think the Knicks have that much more talent than them. So I think that he are going to win us in six. Yeah, the crazy part is they probably they went up against the favorites in the NBA. Like that, the Bucks were the heavy favorites. favorites. Yes, heavy favorites. And they beat them. So it's like I know, yeah, okay. There's the Lakers, the Nuggets, Warriors. You know, teams in the West, and then there's Boston. But it's like when you're really looking at it, like Milwaukee seemed like they had it all. And it's like if the Heat can beat them, like they can beat anybody. So it's just. Very, it's going to be very interesting to watch and see if they can pull this series off. And then if, if they win, who would who would they play? But I'm Boston Philly series. They've always played well. They beat Philly in the playoffs last year, and last year they took Boston one shot away from the finals. And I think Boston was better last year than this year. I think losing their coach really hurt them. I don't think their coach. I don't think Joe Mazzulla was a good coach at all. But I think that he have a wide open path to the finals, and I I wouldn't be surprised if it's a bubble finals rematch. I, I think it's on the table here. Yeah, no. It shows that the bubble wasn't just a fluke at all. And it's a legit finals. You know what's been really fascinating to me is the Heat, for a team, I think they're a little bit undersized. I think Bam Adebayo is their center. He's 6'9". Kevin Love, is he's, he's tall, but he's not a very physical or vertical threat at all. And they played probably the two biggest teams in the East so far. They handled the Bucks pretty well. And they're handling the... The, the Knicks are ma- they're huge. Mitchell Robinson, Art, Julius Randle, they got... Hard to sign off the bench. They they got big bodies and they're and they're they're handling it well. And I think that's another testament to just how hard they play and the culture that they have. Yeah, kind of going off that point, I think the Knicks going into game two made a big emphasis on crashing the boards. Cause just when you look at the numbers here, I mean they out rebounded them fifty to thirty four. And on the offensive on offensive rebounds, they had eleven off offensive rebounds to Miami's eight. So I think it was a it was a big point of emphasis from Thibodeau to crash the boards because they know, like, they're not the greatest shooting team. If you can get 
if you can get second chance points, you have a chance if they need extra possessions. And I think Randall coming back really helped with that. But man, Josh Hart, 11 rebounds. I think you can make an argument. I think the best rebounding guard in the NBA is either Josh Hart or Russell Westbrook. Because Josh Hart, he crashes the boards. I saw him miss a corner three, run up, jump over Kevin Love and grab a rebound over a 6'10 guy. Who Kevin Love's one of the best rebounders ever. I remember in Minnesota, he had a 30-30 game. That man knows how to rebound. He knows how to box out. He, he raced the ball really well. He jumped over Kevin Love, grabbed the ball. Man, Josh Hart just plays so hard. And Yeah, no, keep in mind, everyone, he's only 6'5", too. And rebounding, people don't really understand. Rebounding, obviously, reading the ball, where it's going to come off the rim. But a lot of it's just hard, too. You just want it, you know, kind of like the name. Yeah, I, somebody uh, said, I like that. Okay, okay, boy. Yeah. No, he just has he has a big heart out there, and that's why New York loves him. So, I hope he keeps playing his heart out. Hopefully, it pays off. Hoping, man. Yeah, I don't know. If Jimmy comes back, if Jimmy comes back, I think it's going to be tough for the next I just think it is because the heat, the way they're shooting the ball right now, it, it, it feels like Golden State right now. It's unbelievable. They're shooting so well from three. Yeah, like they, they made more threes than the Knicks in game two. They made 17 threes. The Knicks made 16, but they shot 34%. The Knicks shot 40%. And the Heat were still right there. They they had this game until the last five minutes where they kind of stumbled. I think if they had Jimmy Butler, that he closed his game out 100%. No, thank God the Knicks too had. Julius Randle, just his size yeah. for rebounding and stuff. But, I mean, the man put up 25 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. And the Heat are missing that. The Heat are missing Tyler Hero, too. I know he's even talking. They're missing their two best scores, and they almost won the game. That's my boy. That's my yeah. boy. Yeah. That's the only guy I'll cheer for on the Heat. Hey, man, hopefully he made it right there. Hopefully if they make the finals, he can get his way back. Or hopefully not if they're playing the Lakers. That's true. That's true. We'll see what happens here. But let's move on to the last series here. Celtics 76ers. This game just ended. Probably an hour ago. What is your initial thoughts, man? Uh, it just feels like the Sixers always have Embiid's number. I think I saw somewhere Embiid's 1-9 against the Celtics in playoff games. That's that's not great. Game 1, I think Harden was unbelievable. Reminded me of Houston. He stole the game. But look, after Game 2, it just... Uh, I think Boston's going to win us in 6. I just think they're the better. I think they're going to split in Philly and win the next 2. I think Boston's just better. I don't think Bo- I think Boston is worse than last year. I think the Heat have a chance against Boston, but I think Vill- Philly might be battling a mental hurdle here. I think it might be time for a new coach. I think Doc Rivers. It's just outside of 08, What playoff success has he had? It feels like in the playoffs he's always getting his teams just flat or just getting not necessarily outmaneuvered, but self-inflicted errors. And I think like ah oh, something about Philly just doesn't feel right. I don't think they have the depth. I don't really like their bench like. I'm sorry, I don't know if I pronounced his name wrong, but Niang. Yeah. Melton can get hot, but when he's not feeling it, he's really real. I mean, I saw him airball a shot, and he, he shot over ran four or five feet. That was that was a bad one. And when P.J. Tucker's out there, it's almost like they're playing four on five. Offensively, 100%. Yeah, like, he literally sits in the corner, and most of the time he's not going to make a shot. Like, no offense to him. Like, I loved him. He was on the Bucks when they won the title. His heart is there. I love it. On the defensive side of the ball, he's great for them. But on the offensive side, he's just a liability. 100%. And, I mean, I don't. Th- I think it beats far from 100%. He had three rebounds today. I don't think – I'm not trying to take a shot at the guy. I think he's just injured. I don't think he was there. He, when I saw him in a – every time he got down low and get fouled, it looked like he was just trying to draw a foul, not trying to score the ball. And I think that's an indication of his – he's not right. His knee's not there. And, man, this, it's going to be tough for Philly to win without Embiid being 110%. Yeah, 
He wasn't aggressive either. He shot the ball nine times. You're not going to, like, I don't know why going into this game, if you're MV, like, why would you even play if you know you're not going to be that aggressive? Because then you're just, you're playing on a sprained right knee and you're just going to make it worse and you're not really benefiting your team. Like, obviously, he had some great plays out there. So he's not, he wasn't a liability by any stretch of the imagination. But he wasn't Joel. He was not the MVP Joel MB. Exactly. So it was kind of like a waste of a game almost, if that makes sense. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch. I mean, the Celtics also didn't make 23s and Philly shot 20% from three. Oh, yeah. So that we'll see if them going home, if they'll shoot better from three. I don't know. It'll, it'll be. It's, it's tough, man, with Philly. Yeah. It's like you're watching them, and it's like you want to believe that they're going to beat the Celtics, but it's like it just doesn't feel right. It do, I've just seen them collapse one too many times for me. I'm going to have to see it to believe it. That's the way I'm going to leave it. I, I'm going to have to see. I'm not going to put faith in them until I see it happen. And I'm rooting for them. I like Embiid. I like Harden. I want them to succeed. But, man, it's hard to believe in a Doc Rivers-led team. I've just seen them collapse one too many times for me to really have trust in them. But we're going to see. It's going to be some great games coming up, and I can't wait to watch them. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate you guys tuning in to the first episode and make sure we have more episodes. When is our next episode coming out? What do we think? Is Sunday, Monday? Yeah, right around then. Yeah. So make sure to check it out and we'll see you guys later.